All right. So. Wait, quick question. Can you get sick? It's not. It's not you can't OD on Pepto Bismol, right? <laughs> what do you mean? I got Pepto I need to take a lot of Pepto Bismol. I just took Pepto Bismol. I want to probably take multiple like, doses of Pepto Bismol. <laughs> I don't know if I know. I don't know that I want to know why. Okay, never mind. I'll probably. <laughs> but uh, is it. Um, you know, I think you can take a second dose pretty quickly okay. after the first one. It's not yeah, like it's, you it's make not you like wait kale I think Pepto Bismol is like candy. Do you still have the, uh, the the high high grade antibiotics we got in Mexico? Yeah, I'm saving that though. I, I'll deal with whatever I got now with just Pepto Bismol. I'm saving the good stuff oh, for when I really need it. It can't be that serious then. Uh, we're rolling, by the way. No way. <laughs> you liar. <laughs> serious. Oh, th- we got to put leave this in. We got. I it. yeah, I had no idea it's this was going. Okay, yeah, I'm just not feeling great, guys. Hi, uh, this is Gary Okazaki. This is Michael Russell, and, uh, you know, shout out to the, uh, uh, we just had our millionth download the other day, and uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> shout out to all of our fans out there. We love all you. All two of you. Um, you know, we, we, we're working on merch. We're working on merch. <laughs> I honestly, God, didn't know we were recording. Sorry about that, everybody, but we're going to leave it in. So this is part one of Gary and my end of year podcast, where we're going to talk about some of the best meals, uh, best dishes, uh, some of uh, uh, make some predictions about the LA Times restaurant guide that's coming out soon. Uh, we're going to talk about the city or cities we want to visit in 2020. Um, and here's how it's going to work. Uh, the first part, which you're listening to now, we're going to break down, uh, uh, do you want to tell us what, what we're going to talk about today? Well, we're just going gen- to start with a general overview, and then we're going to go to our best meals of 2019, and lastly, uh, well, then we'll talk about the, the best places that we ate at in Portland in 2019. I know we talked about the best new restaurants of 2019 earlier, but there have been other restaurants that have opened up, and I'm going to include... Uh, places other than restaurants on my list, and lastly like, uh, we're going to talk about LA salon, Times. like waxing spots and yeah. tattoo parlors. Gotcha. Yeah. No, me and tattoos. <laughs> I'm all tatted up. People don't know that about Gary. <laughs> so um, then next, the next episode we're going to talk about our our best dishes of 2019, and we're we're saving that one in part because I'm working on that same guide for. Um, uh, for the Oregonian that I write for. And um, also, uh, I'm not totally 100% done with it. Like, there's a few places I want to revisit before I, I lock it down. Um, so look for our best dishes of 2019, probably sometime around Christmas. And uh, for now, here's our end of your podcast, part one. Overview. Overview. You want to talk about Portland first? Let's talk about Portland first. So, in general, what did, what did you think of this year in dining in Portland, Oregon? Well, we've talked about this before. I think I think Portland has been playing it safe um, for for several years now, and I think that came through again this year. Um, I, I I don't know how, who was taking risks in Portland in 2019. Do I'm going to throw it back at you. Do who you think Berlu? I thought it was kind of a creative, interesting uh, concept of what Vince is doing. It's approachable, accessible, tasting menu, $85. I think the, some of the best, many of the best dishes I had this year were from Bear Lou. I love they're, that. I they're, love in, that. Yeah. they're interesting dishes, too. 
They weren't well, cookie cutter dishes. I, I'm going to agree with you there because I mean, even in my review in the new restaurant guy, I, I I talked about how, you know, there was this temptation that we had to to kind of giggle and laugh, and it's a little bit silly. I think Vince wins concept for that restaurant. He's really putting himself out there and probably more than, you know, anybody else in town. I think that's a great call, Gary. Uh, with Scott, uh, Scott Wingar taking over at Farm Spirit, I thought that Farm Spirit elevated its game. I know you really like Fermenter and I did too, but I don't know of another vegan fine dining restaurant in the United States. And... You know, to do elevated food like that where it's vegan is kind of cool. It's like a, I think it's kind of – I enjoy it. I think it's very creative. Again, another creative place where the, the meal has some interesting flavor combinations and it's all vegan. Yeah, I mean, I my thing I, – I, I agree with everything you said. I think that my thing with Farm Spirit is every time Aaron opens a restaurant and – I believe this is even going back to the Portobello days, um, Chef Aaron Adams. It feels like he's trying to recreate a a carnivore restaurant or an omnivorous restaurant with a vegan menu. Hmm. And I think that's the case with Farm Spirit as well, where they're Hmm. recreating an omnivorous omnivorous fine dining menu, except it's vegan. And has it improved since Scott took over? I would say yes. But the thing that I love the most about Fermenter, which – I'm going to just say here, I'm not sure anybody's like broken this online or anything, but they're no longer doing their three course really? lunch menu. It's only a la carte now. So I'm not, I haven't been back. I keep meaning to, and I haven't had a chance to since this happened about three weeks ago. So that was the thing that I thought was radical, but also I thought there were, there's kind of a sense of inevitability to any vegan restaurant in Portland. Like, you know, Portland has a lot of vegans, so they're going to want a fast, casual vegan restaurant. They're going to want a burger place. They're going to want a fine dining place. Other people have tried. Farm Spirit has clearly done it the best. But there was nothing inevitable about Fermenter. It just felt weird and fun, and you just got to sit there, and Aaron would make jokes and talk about TV shows. It was like so of his personality in a way that his previous restaurants have felt, you know, I don't mean this in a bad way, but a little bit more forced. I was going to use that word, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I think that you can see, depending on which side of the wall, you know, they share a wall. So both are pretty cool. Uh, I just happen to be more like, oh, wow, fermenter. I didn't see that coming, and it's really neat. So I'm a little bummed that they got rid of their crazy four-seat lunch, you know, fixed-price chef's counter thing. You don't know why... You know, Aaron told me, and again, I'm going to go back in, but because because even the a la carte stuff is fun, and I know he's working on a, a vegan burger. You know, I think oh. you'll be able to get his tempeh occasionally, um, which we'll talk about more on our best dishes guide. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I I'm not totally sure. I think he f- he was bummed with turning people away. Is what he said. And a part of me was like, well, come on, man. What do you expect? You built a four-seat restaurant. Like, <laughs> of course you're turning people away. Like, unless you expected it to be completely unsuccessful. Like, as soon as you have any kind of press about you. And I put them, you know, top four on my restaurant guide. Um, you know, and, and so I think he just got sick of telling people that there's going to be a two-hour wait. And a two-hour wait just means, like, eight people, right? Right. Well, it's, it's, he turns them 
quickly. It's like half an hour to 45 minutes. I've seen people eating tw- like 25, sub 25. So yeah, I, I, I went, I went in, well, let's see, a month and a half ago with Pete and Pete. Picho and Sinyang Park, and we there wasn't a room at the four seat counter, so we just had a bowl and just stood up. I kind of like the bowls. I mean, they're not. I did too. Quite as creative and maybe not quite as satisfying, but if with all this energy focused on them, that could become really cool. I mean, look at um, Superiority Burger, right? That's a vegetarian restaurant where you know there's a there was a lot of excitement about that restaurant. The New York Times named it, named it one of the best new restaurants in the city. Maybe we that could be what fermenter becomes. Okay, uh, but yeah. we're, we 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 no longer have the lunch counter. So, right. as far as I know, um, what else? What else is cracking in in Portland? Yeah, let's uh, do one more Portland thing that caught your eye. Uh, well, the, let's look at what what you consider what we both consider some of our top restaurants like Eam. Um, mm. Is Eam? Was Eam? What did you think of Eam? Like, I know you loved Eam, Restaurant of the Year. I get it. Yeah. Uh, do you think they played it safe? Well, it was like, a, it was just so obvious, you know? I mean, you take Matt's barbecue, which was, you know, the best barbecue in the city, and you take the curries that Earl was serving at Hot Yai, and you combine them. I mean, it was safe in, in that, you know, like a Steph Curry three-pointer is safe, you know? It was bound to go in. You know what? You know wh- Here's what uh, a theme that I got, that I re- I haven't really talked about before in Portland as far as what happened in 2019, bakeries and cafes. Uh, my favorite bakery is uh, Jinju. I love that place, and not just Jinju, but Twisted Croissant opened up. Are you it, saying that because Trifecta is closing? Well, really? yeah, but you know, it's my favorite bakery, and I but I still go to Jinju more than Trifecta. Um, there's more uh, variety at Jinju. And Does so, it all work for you? I'm curious because, I mean, for me, I I was so impressed by the croissant and right. it made my top five croissants at number five. It could have been number four. It was, you know, that was a toss up. And then I get those bonbons and that beautiful luxury box and right. I bring them home and we, my daughter gets, my older daughter gets to pick one. My wife picks one and I pick one and then we save them for the next day. It's like, it's become kind of a, a ritual and routine for the us. Dessert, plus the desserts are, re- I think so the, the desserts cakes, are really but good. I, I'm, that's what I was going to get to. Yeah. Which, how would you rank those three? The viennoiserie, the cakes or the bonbons? Desserts, one, candies, two. Yeah. That's pastries three and they're I, all i don't really have good, quite though. as much experience with the cakes which i need to remedy because they are for me they are the best new bakery in portland of the past two years i want to say okay since since trifecta bakery opened yeah up. i guess so <laughs> uh, but I, I think twisted croissants no, that was a while ago trifecta bakery oh, three, 20, oh, 2013 three, yeah you're right but i i mean I don't know. We don't have to get too deep in the weeds about Portland, Portland's baking scene. I, I do think it's interesting with Pearl Bakery closing, and, and we should talk a little bit about you know important closures. Um, that's not on our run sheet, but um, you know, Pearl Bakery when it opened in 1997 was arguably, if not the best bread bakery to open in America that year. It certainly would have been oh. in the running for that. Oh. Um, Greg Mistel was head of the U.S. Bakers Guild. He had coached, he had been on an American team that went to um, the, whatever, the Bocuse d'Or of bread. The uh, Café du Monde? The, the, the oh. Coupe, Coupe du Monde Coupe de la Monde. Boulangerie. Okay. The, the World Cup of bread baking. He, uh, not just bread, it's bread and viennoiserie, and then there's like an artful section. But he had gone, and I think 
he had placed in the top six, which means they, they got to go back. He'd coached a team to a silver medal. He ended up, I'm, I'm probably getting this timeline wrong, but he ends up coaching the team that wins that competition in 1999, which was unheard of. No, I don't think anybody thought American bread bakers could touch the French. But they won, and then three years later, um, Tim Healy from Little T actually won silver at that same competition. Um, so Tim had been at Pearl Bakery. There's just all this talent. Lee Posey was the pastry chef. Um, and then, you know, Grand Central Bakery had opened four or five years earlier. Ken's Artisan Bakery opens in 2001. And, like, those three bakeries are still, like, you, you know, Grand Central has gotten very big and, you know, automated a lot of things. But those are still three of the better bakeries in Portland. And Ken's is, you know, with Trifecta closing, it might be number one right. overall. Um, Pearl had a great reputation still. I, I'm not sure. I don't hadn't been enough recently to say one way or the other. And then they closed really abruptly. Like where have, where have the major bakery openings been in the past? That's almost two decades, right? Well, major, like, I, I mean, Twisted Croissant opened this year too. You, you seem to like Twisted Croissant. I think it's a, I did not put their croissant in my top five, but I think that they could have gotten on, on a better day. I, th- I think it's a very interesting, creative bakery doing, I can't say Cruffin or Cronut, but basically you that's can what they say do. it. <laughs> well, am I get sued by Dominique, Dominique and, and, oh, and uh, they're and, on the phone right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Gary, you're in trouble. They don't call it that at at Twisted Croissant. Well, see, I, th- I thought that's a good bakery. And then uh, Soro Soro is another cafe that opened up this year. And that's not a. I mean, I they, they're fun and gimmicky, yeah, yeah. but like they they have that cake that's all food coloring, and you know, yeah, it's a fun it's place fun. to visit. Fun. That's not like a. That's not like a game-changing bakery. What's no. the last game-changing bakery? Because I would say it's probably Ken's Artisan Bakery in 2001. Now, you could make an argument for Tabor Bread. Tabor Bread opened in 2012, and they have spawned several, not imitators, but offshoots uh, in Seastar, mm. Grano, and there's a few bread bakeries on the outskirts of Portland where they're clearly at right. least inspired by Tabor Bread. So that I mean, that's pretty impressive to have four or five you know, offshoots or, or on the, on the bakery tree, you know, they they have four or five limbs. So maybe they're in the running, but then again, like how much do we talk about Tabor bread? I don't hear people talking about them. I, I don't, yeah, it's a nice I don't. place to visit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess we do have a pretty good baking scene. I thought, well, I kind of thought, I didn't know what the trend was going on in Portland in 2019. I thought, oh, well, a couple of good bakeries opened up, a cafe, cute cafe opened up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, Okay. Korean run bake, Korean American bakeries. Yeah, right. I love it. I'm yeah. all about it. Oh yeah, plus you know all the all the new places in Beaverton, all the Asian inspired bakeries. Right, Tous Les Jour, yeah. and then the Taiwanese place, 85 degrees Celsius. Right. Have you been? Not yet. Right. Not yet. Soft open. Uh, as far as like grand opening today, Friday. Oh, there is. Yeah. Um, as far as much, as far as outside of Portland, it's been the most the busiest I've ever been as far as travel goes. So I'll th- I will tell you where I've gone this year in order. It's just 2019. Outside of the United States, Macau, Hong Kong, Singapore, Bangkok, Munich, Berlin, Stockholm, Amsterdam, Paris, Vancouver, BC, Montreal, London, Vienna, and Mexico City. So that was my international travel schedule this year. I had the most amazing culinary experiences this year there were just too many to even think about or mention i get 
I can't remember sometimes what city I ate a meal X from restaurant X. I just I was thinking, what city is that again? And I have to go look on my Flickr account to see where restaurant X was. So it's all been the, all the northern European cities look the same to you, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was a fantastic year of eating, and uh, I just you know I'm just I feel blessed from by some of the meals I had this year, and hopefully we can get into some of those meals. Yeah, right now. Yeah, you want to jump right into that? Yeah. Um, you want to start off with Portland? Yeah, let's hit Portland really quickly. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know what jumps out at me from you know. I, I, I'm not sure that it's a meal at Eam. I mean, I think, you know, and I'm not sure what, I don't know if it was Berlou. I mean, I think that Berlou still has room to grow and, and, you know, expand what they're doing there. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if it was a specific restaurant. I think really? it was probably the meal that, uh, that I've talked to you about before. I mean, it was probably something at feast and specifically the, the diaspora dinner that was, um, you know, friend of the podcast, Gregory Gorday, uh, Kwame Onwache, um, from Kith and Kin in, in Washington, DC and Eduardo Jordan from, uh, June baby in Seattle. And Dolester uh, miles from Highlands Par- bar and grill. Uh, the, yes. Noted James Beard award winning pastry chef, um, Dolester miles on dessert. So, you know, that was a pretty awesome combination of talents. And, you know, in particular, the, the sort of the spine of that was, and we talked about this just off off the pod but a few days ago, but was the way kind of Eduardo and Kwame are both kind of pursuing the same aims with their restaurant, albeit with different approaches. Um, you know, I liked seeing the way their dishes interacted quite a bit. And then at the same time, you had Greg doing essentially his um, Haiti of my heart pop-up in the middle of it, which is really cool. And um, if you didn't see um, my story this week, Greg Gorday's opening a restaurant of his own. Uh, no name or space announced yet, but it's going to have a Haitian focus and a wood-fired focus. Uh, he's going to do like four different wood-fired stations or something like that. So it's going to be not just wood-fired grill or oven, but also a wok station, a wood-fired wok. And, uh, you know, plus a lot of the Asian influenced dishes that he does at departure here in Portland. Um, so yeah, that was, so that was like the, 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 the meat <laughs> Eduardo and Kwame were the, the bread or something. <laughs> and, uh, then Dolester was just like, you know, absolutely the, 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 the cap at the end of the night, you know, with a beautiful cake that, um, you know, was just like so perfect and classic that no one would even bother to make it anymore but it was delicious that was that was memorable for me in portland what about you well let me ask you a question about that dinner because i I was not there uh you it was communal dining right yes and that's always kind of like a wild card for me did did, that did did that impact did you did you were you seated with people that you really got along with and did that enhance the experience you don't have to name names. Yeah, I mean, it, that's funny. We've talked about that before. There were a couple people at my table that I wasn't like... Uh, I actually snapped at a lady for interrupting our friend Karen, who was asking a question. <laughs> and I was like, quiet. <laughs> okay. But I, yeah, I sat right across from our friend Karen Brooks. And, uh, um, you know, there was a, a wonderful daughter and her father um, who I kept running into at Feast. And, and we had a great conversation on my left. 
And, you know, apologies to the lady on my right. If you happen to be listening in the unlikely event, I'm not sure who it was, but I was, uh, uh, you know, so I guess it was a mixed bag, but on the, by and large, it was actually a good crowd, I think, because if you have, you know, two people on your left, you really like, and a person across from you that you're getting along with, like, that's pretty good. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm always scared going to those type of dinners. And then when I walk into a restaurant and I look and it's communal seating, and I didn't know before walking out of the restaurant, I kind of get freaked out a little bit. You walk out. I've done that before. <laughs> You're like, box up my desserts. I'm going home now. Uh, no, I think... Uh, it was, it was yeah, fine. I think it was fine. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Eduardo had this just like insanely rich and sweet cornbread that people were like packing up and putting in their pockets. Um, you know, that's a dinner that could have gone like horribly wrong um, in Portland. Like it's such a, you know, famously white city and feast, you know, they could have done, handled it. I don't know. It could have been a total flop and I ended up being great. And I actually said to Mike Thielen afterwards, like I had, I had that I was, had my reservations about how that was going to go. And I was worried it would be in the West Hills, but they did it in Northeast Portland. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just thought it was a it was a smash hit actually, and I would go to another one. Um, my meal, my meal of the year. Well, let me go to uh, some of the, meal, the some some of the better meals I've had this year were at Berlu. It's not my meal of the year, but it's right below my meal of the year in Portland, Oregon. Was it the one where we went together? Yes, yeah, that's one of them. That was a lot of fun. I, I went with Karen once, I went with you once, and I went alone But you once. weren't crazy about the first meal you had with Karen, right? There were a couple of dishes that I thought were misses yeah. and mis-execution. Yeah. But I, I, there, was, there were some dishes at that dinner that were truly memorable. Yeah. So um, Vince, when... Not surprisingly, and I've said this before, he he's sitting at number one for my best new restaurant in Portland, mm-hmm. best new place to eat in Portland. It's still Bear Lou. Uh, but my favorite meal of the year was Notogoro's Super Hardcore, which I've gone to many times before in the past. Yeah. But I went once this year to Super Hardcore, and it was just better than all the other Super Hardcores, which is saying something since Ryan Roadhouse's meals are always near the top of my list for best Portland meals. And maybe it, it, it helped that I was with, again, Nota Girl, you're, you're, if you go alone, you're just going to be surrounded by strangers because it's a U-shaped bar. And, you know, I've in general, I've had really good times when I've dined alone. I had never, I've never had an uh, unfortunate incident uh, in the past, which is always nice to know that it's in general, it's going to be a a good experience with the people I'm sitting by, but in, uh, but I went with Peter Cho and Sunyang Park. Yep, them again, and it was it just helped that they were there. Are they sponsoring us now? I mean, I keep hearing uh, well, their you, names. You, come you, up. Just wait. It's yeah. like they they were at my number one meal of the year, overall meal of the year too. Oh no way! <clears throat> so yeah, it's like Ryan and Elena Roadhouse just has cre- they've created a, um, such a special place. It yeah. really is. Did you go this year? Just I did. Hardcore? I did. I did super hardcore, and it was pretty awesome i right. mean i the, the the theme and i don't i don't know how like i'm embarrassed to talk about this but the like the theme of my year in eating has been purely defined by having a second kid this year and how difficult it's been to get out to eat and even my super hardcore meal which was totally lovely was had had this huge black mark on it because we had a babysitter who 
told us at the last minute that she couldn't stay till 10:30 like she said she had to leave at 9 for some event. So the last half hour of the meal at Notoguro was spent like worrying about getting home to the babysitter. I sent Selena home before the dessert. Oh. And you know, this has nothing to do with the roadhouses or that restaurant cuz it was a excellent meal. I have Notoguro in the top 5 of my restaurants in Portland period. Uh, and you often argue with me that they should probably be number one. And, you know, I think that there, there's probably an, a strong argument for that. Uh, I'm sometimes have reservations about that just cause it's, it's not easy to get into that place. And, and it's it, expensive. They have very few seats and it's very expensive. Super hardcore is what? 200. Uh, I think it's 195. Okay. So, you know, that that's, it's just something that's going to be out of reach for a lot of people, both because they won't be able to get a seat and because the price is too high. And I'm sort of cognizant of that. But anyway, you know, just there's nothing worse than feeling like you have an obligation to get home and, uh, you know, someone canceling on you. We've never used that babysitter again, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) She she was fired that day. (laughs) No, we just ghosted her. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's uh, but that's that's a great choice. So um, I think people who listen to the podcast might know that my non Portland meal of the year happened with Gary. At Puyol in Mexico City. It was the corn meal. There, there were two options. There was a corn-focused tasting menu and a seafood-focused tasting menu. And Gary got the seafood, and we kind of shared bites. And the corn, I think, was superior. It was just like a, 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 you know, a meditation on corn. It was, it was like a poem about corn, you know, told many different ways. Um, and I've said this before, but the way that they reference street food without you know, like with an obvious, obvious reverence for street food, even though it's a fine dining restaurant. Um, and the way that they were able to create like stunning visual presentations without, you know, relying on the kind of trickery that you see at references at, at restaurants influenced by El Bui or Muguritz, the Spanish style. These were the, the platings were very honest and I was absolutely blown away you know, top to bottom, you know, says a lot, a little bit about my preferences and being someone who's a little bit fine dining, you know, eh, ambivalent, I guess you would say, uh, that really was an absolutely ideal experience. It's a beautiful space too. There's a olive tree growing right in the middle of the restaurant. It would have made my top 10, but, um, my top 10, the one caveat is I didn't select any restaurant that I'd been to prior to 2019 so i've been to puyo three other times so main races is camp is ineligible italian cran benu single thread etc etc so i i do have a top 10 with five honorable mentions and not surprisingly each and every one of them is fine dining each and every (laughs) one of them is very expensive and domino's is number 10 (laughs) Yeah, I do. Well, I went to Shakey's recently in my tour of California. I hadn't been to Shakey's in 30, well, 40 years. I hadn't eaten Shakey's in 40 years. God, I love Shakey's. Nine ninety nine lunch buffet, which I didn't have. Maybe next time when I go, I'll get the lunch buffet at Shakey's. I love Shakey's. My five honorable mentions are Ernst from Berlin, La Ville from Paris, Jade Dragon from Macau, Franson from Stockholm, Odette from Singapore. And uh, those are my five honorable mentions. All of them have at least one Michelin star. 
So yeah, all fine dining. Sorry about that. Everyone who likes casual dining. Well, that's... I mean, who knows? You yeah. Know, let us know. Tweet at us and let us know or Instagram. And then my top 10, uh, I have a tie for 10. It's uh, Tian, which is uh, a vegetarian restaurant in Vienna from Paul Evich. Actually, I didn't know it was vegetarian when I walked in. I looked at the menu and said, God, everything, there's no meat. There's no seafood. <laughs> and then I asked, is this a vegetarian restaurant? They said, yeah. I said, oh, okay. And it, the food just really blew me away. It's, it, I mean, I'm not a vegetable type of guy. I get my vegetables from Subway, normally from Subway sandwiches. So it was really a fantastic meal. Uh, tied for 10th was Warnikoff, Warnikoff by Giesel in Munich. It's a Japanese chef, Toru Nakamura, who's like 32, 33 years old. He got, a, he got a, the second Michelin star for the restaurant when he was like 31, 32. It was kind of a fun culinary experience. I, I'm not going to ruin the surprise. There are little surprises here and there at the restaurant as far as they kind of move you around a little bit. It was, it was a no-spoiler uh, podcast. No-spoiler podcast. Uh, nine was uh, Amador from Vienna, a very kind of straightforward three-Michelin-star restaurant in Vienna. I, guess what? I love Vienna. Uh, eight was Gastrologic from Stockholm. Uh, in my honorable mention was Franson. That has three Michelin-stars. Gastrologic only has two. Yet I, you know... I really prefer Gastrologic over the more celebrated Franson. Actually, I have another Stockholm restaurant coming up. Malice from London, one Michelin star. Again, they kind of moved you around. You kind of, you could, you kind of once dinner started, you could go anywhere in the restaurant. It's like you you could stay at the dining room. You could go over to like the wine area. You can go in the kitchen, bug the chefs. They don't care where you go; they'll find you. And they they just like hurl dishes at you like a, like a <laughs> fish at Pike Place Market, or how's that work? No, you just kind of they'll find you. They just like there's only like fourteen people at dinner at the dinner max, so you could just like move around, feel whatever you want to do. They'll just like, like past apps at a wedding. Yeah, it's cool. Food was great too. And when I when I went there, it didn't have a Michelin star. I said, "Well, you deserve one." And then a couple of months later, they got their Michelin star. Uh, VEA from Hong Kong is number uh, six. Again, kind of a cool place in central part of central district in Hong Kong. Uh, Vicky Chung is the uh, chef, and uh, just again another. It was really a playful, fun meal. Another Stockholm restaurant that's at uh, five, and that's Wahawks and Krog. And four is a La Mi from Singapore, which was very traditional French food. But it got the third Michelin star this year. Um, here we go to three. Suring from Bangkok. Two German twins uh, making German food in Bangkok, Thailand. What? You, you would think that, oh, Gary's going to... You know, Bangkok, he's going to eat Thai food. And that's probably going to be his favorite meal. No, it wasn't. It was just two German guys doing German food in Bangkok. Okay, tell me about uh, a dish or two that you had there. I mean, what, what, what are we spatzel. talking about? They had spatzel. Spatzel <laughs> with black truffle. Oh. Good. Um, they had a, they had a, a smoked eel dish Ooh. with like, I think it was parsley oil. Okay. Um <laughs> they they had a, uh, they did uh, they smoked a duck, like they brought out the, the like an actual the duck. I said here this is it's like a huge 
stuck. I said, this will be just, just part like, of your main course. Just like Oma used to make. <laughs> Eel with parsley oil. Number two was another v, uh, Vienna restaurant. God, I love Vienna. Me too. Constantine, Constantine Filippo. Um, I was only going to do the smaller tasting menu, and I ordered it. Uh, but then more dishes started coming out. I'm thinking, this is crazy. What's going on? Am I going to be... That's fine if they want to charge me for it. And then Chef came out and said... Chef Constantine came out and said, Gary, we just wanted you to try the longer tasting menu. We thought you'd give you a better kind of exposure to what we're doing here. I said, great, thanks. And it was really that Evan good. And did they then charge you for the longer one too? No, they did not. Uh, Classic bait and switch. Uh, they were, I, yeah, it's kind of weird now where I kind of get, I don't know. For Vienna, huh? What? Vienna's popping. Yeah, Vienna's popping. How old are those restaurants? Do you know? Mm, not, I don't think they're, they're not... They're not new, new. They're not, no, they're relatively new. Oh, okay. Amador used to have three Michelin stars in Germany, and they, he physically moved to Vienna recently. Mm, okay. Um, my number one meal of the year that I have with P- Peter Cho in Sydney Park. <laughs> Blue Hill at Stone Barns. No. Yes, we're being sponsored by Hanok. Um, Blue Hill <laughs> at Stone Barber. Barns. Try Barber's Vegetables <laughs> <laughs> at your local Fred Meyer. You know, most of you who are probably listening to the podcast, all three of you have probably heard of Blue Hill Stone Barns. It was just, it goes beyond just the food. It's the overall experience. And I've talked about it earlier this year on another podcast. It's just, it's just uh, an awe-inspiring um, place to visit. Actually, I prefer the food at Blue Hill, New York City, uh, which hmm. I went to a couple years ago. But just when you put everything together... Uh, Blue House Stone Barns is just so memorable. I would advise anyone and everyone who can journey outside of Manhattan to go to Blue Hill at Stone Barns. And I loved it so much that I kind of followed Dan Barber around the United States. I was like his stalker. Because he did these uh, special chefs and breeders dinner um, around the United States. I went to the one in Portland, which was easy enough. (laughs) (laughs) And I went to the one in Los Angeles. And um, yeah... I just really... Shout out to breeders. Am I right? Yeah. Do people know what breeders are in this context? <laughs> that what seed, you think. Seed, seed breeders. breeders. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I want to go to Blue Hill, New York City. I, didn't be, I haven't been in a few years, so I want to go to Blue Hill, New York City next year. Hmm. What a list. Jeepers creepers. Number one, Blue Hill Stone Barns. Yeah. And even if you included the, all my restaurants that I've been to in prior years of 2019, like you included them as eligible, Blue Hill Stone Barns would still be number one. They move you around a little bit, right? Blue Hill Stone Barns? Yeah. In the middle of dinner, they just we got to tour like some parts of like the outside. Like there was. Um, what is the point? I mean, you've mentioned three restaurants now that kind of. Just know. to break it up, you know. It's about sitting, exercise. Or? Yeah, a little bit. Sitting there for three hours, two and a half, three hours, any place. It just, I get antsy. Like I want to. I sometimes I just so walk. Why not just make the meal shorter? Well, that's sometimes that's not possible. <laughs> and it's it's fun to like just walk around, you know, the facilities at Blue Hill just to look around and, and they tell you, like, educate you about what's what you're looking at, what you're seeing. Is there are there any horses you can ride while you're? I wish. I mean, <laughs> That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> Barber, if you're listening, just some more interactive stuff like uh, ATVs you can hop into or 
a gun range. I'm going to Vespertine again next week, so I kind of wonder if Jordan Connor is instituting any of those things that you're saying. Like, Like, everybody up, do 35 jumping jacks right now (laughs) before the next course. (laughs) Well, that was was my list. That was a pretty good list. It's a freaking great list, man. That's phenomenal. What a year of eating. Here's to Gary's year of eating. Coming to a close. Uh, can I ask you what uh, what's left on your itinerary for 2019? Uh, Los Angeles. Surprise, surprise. Honolulu. Yeah. San Francisco again. And San Diego. I've mm. never been to San Diego. And that kind of bleeds into an, a trip, early trip in 2020, right? Uh, no. Oh, I, you're taking a little break? No, well, three-day break. Three-day break. <laughs> before I begin... Another trip. Um, well, we can talk about that next year. Yeah. Congrats for getting through it. Um, when do you think your, you know, this whole extended project is going to come to an end? <sighs> I don't know. Um, I'm going to be pretty busy between now and March 27th. Mm. Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I'd like to... I, I was thinking about 2020... Because I'm already pretty much done booked my, everything for 2020. So now I'm thinking 2021. And I don't know. We'll see. I I talked to Elena and Ryan Roadhouse about potentially going to Copenhagen yeah. together. So I don't know. I'd like to do three or four or maybe five international trips instead of 15 or 20 hmm. in 2021. So I want to go to Copenhagen. I always want to go to London and Paris in 2021. I always want to go. Every year I want to go to London and Paris. And I want to go visit Max Boonthaniket in, in Bangkok. Bangkok in 2021. Um, I don't know. I'll maybe go back to Singapore. I love Singapore. But that, like I said, 2020 is already in the books. I've already got all my airlines booked, my hotels booked. So, yeah. Um, did we want to talk about cities that we want to visit next year? Or? I thought we'd say that for episode episode two. two. So it's not won't just be dishes. Okay, that's okay. Good. And then I, w- I want to talk about some of the best new restaurants of 2019 around the world. Yeah, mostly it's actually just I had one I had one new restaurant outside of the U.S. called Siren by Nathan Outlaw in London. I thought was pretty good, probably be in my top 15. But otherwise, it was pretty much a USA centric list. Okay, and the overriding theme for 2019 for me for best new restaurants was and is LA. Uh, my top 10 are number sitting at number 10 is Nardi from San Francisco, which was just named the second best new restaurant in America by Esquire's Jeff Gordinier. Sitting at nine was Kiko from Chicago. Um, eight was Jung from Chicago, a Korean, like a Korean fine dining restaurant. Um, Verju, one of my favorite wine bars in the United States that Michael Tusk just opened up is at number seven. Kawi is at six. Once again, went with Pete, Peter, and son to Kawi. <laughs> but it was great. It was great. It was a great experience. Again, it was a Korean restaurant. You got to take Peter and son. Uh, sitting at five. Here we go. L.A. Auburn. Four. L.A. again. Actually, Santa Monica. Bertie G's. Uh, Three, L.A. again, actually Santa Monica. Pajoli from Dave Barron. 
Two is my only non-LA restaurant in the top five, Basato from Seattle. God, I love that. One of, the, one of my favorite fine dining Italian restaurants in the United States. Mm. They actually kill it, Scott Carsberg. And my number one overall new restaurant in 2019 is Maylin's Nightshade. I went four times. Wow. I love Nightshade. Did you ever go twice in one trip? No. You've only gone. Well, no, unless you count just like like going back. A few, uh, like, I did go, kind of go twice, but the, the, the la- second time was just to eat an egg salad sandwich with caviar. Your LA focus list provides a great transition point to talk about the LA Times restaurant guide, which is about to come out. And it'll be, it's probably notable, most notable for being the first guide that the Times is doing without Jonathan Gold. Ranked. First ranked guide. Right. So last year they did put out a guide to the 101 best restaurants, but I noticed a lot of the bylines were still, you know, a lot of the reviews were still old reviews written by gold. Maybe you wrote them before he passed away or they used the year before. I'm not sure how that played out, but as you pointed out, they did not rank them as gold used to do. So they're going to take that challenge on soon. It's coming maybe as soon as next week. Well, we're, we're recording on December 6th, which is Friday. They're going to release the list, I believe, on Monday, December 9th, because there's a LA Times food, like there's a LA Times Top 101 list event on Monday night at the Viviana. Um, I think we're going to release this now. Tickets are still available for anyone listening in Los Angeles, which is probably no one. But uh, yeah, there's an event where it's a ticketed event at the Viviana where some of the chefs in the top 101 will be cooking. And I'm a, I don't know if they're going to release it at the event, which starts from, at 7 o'clock, or whether they're going to release it earlier that day and it's just like a party that night. I don't know. We'll see. They used to do that uh, when Gold was doing it as well. They did? Really? Like a party, yeah. Where, where chefs were invited. Yeah. Oh. No? Am I crazy? I don't I know. They I, 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 so they will probably release the list before the event. Unless that's part of the, you know, attraction of buying a ticket to the party. Right. So you get a, I, I'm not sure. I guess there's a lot of nuts and bolts we don't know. But the reason you brought it up is you wanted to make some predictions about what's going to be in their top 10. Yeah, I'll, I have a... Don't, it, it, we can't it, do the whole 101. <laughs> no. But I have, a, I have a question for you. You you can listen to my top 10 and you can say how many of, of the 10 do you think I got right? And then I'll go over under. Like you can say... Oh, okay, oh that's fun. Yeah. Let's try that. All right. Okay. Um, LA Times, well, top- uh, but let's you know, uh, do we need any more context here? Because LA Times, after Gold passed, they hired two critics. They hit uh, Patricia and Bill, and Escarcega, Patricia Escarcega, and Bill Addison. Addison, right? So they are, and they've been essentially switching off every week with reviews, reviewing different places. I, I don't know. Have you noticed a, a trend in what kind of places they review? They try to do a wide spectrum. Not yeah. just fine dining and not just more casual restaurants. Uh, Patricia Escarcega had to take, a, I believe, took a maternity break for a little while. And there were other reviewers who work at the Times who did some reviews. Like some other writers who did some reviews while Patricia was on maternity leave. Right. So it's, it's, I can't imagine how the list was created because if it's just a single voice, like you do your list, it's your list. 
Um, oh, just a lot of meetings, I imagine. Well, yeah, but like, what happens if you think restaurant X deserves to be twelve, and re- and then Patricia, uh, Bill thinks restaurant X deserves to be twelve, and Patricia thinks restaurant X deserves to be seventy? Do you add the two numbers together and then divide by two, and then is that the rank that they? I mean, how? I mean, <laughs> no, I think they probably just hash it up. You know, okay. If someone feels passionate about some something, it you know it rises. Well, that, and when I tried to predict, like this is not my personal list. My personal list is slightly different than their top ten. With, with, with them, my, what I'm predicting for them, like I just can put all now. Even my list doesn't have all fine dining, but I, they're not going to have like ten fine dining restaurants in their top ten. I doubt it. They're, they're gonna have some more casual places so it's like thinking what casual places would they have on there i probably don't have enough just to be honest just to go back a little bit i pulled up last year's restaurant guide they used gold's 2017 list his last and then they filled in the gaps with you know places that had closed or open that were important um with reviews by three of their food writers jen harris andrea chang and amy scattergood okay so that's how they did that do you happen to know gold's top 10 from 2017 yeah it's right here and i and by the way if you want to look on my insta i have an instagram post where i make my predictions and i list jonathan's top 10 from 2017 number this is jonathan's top this is jonathan's top 10 sitting at 10 rosa blue nine mozaplex mozaplex was gold's way of Including Moza, but all of other Nancy Silverton's other three. There's three of them: yeah. uh, Chispaca, uh, Pizzeria Moza, and Osteria Moza. Uh, eight was Cassia. Seven Tromek. Wait, how do you feel about that? What? By the way, generally, like including multiple restaurants in one slot. I've done it before. People get mad at me. Um, they're very different restaurants, but you know, it's, it is what it is. I don't mind. Like, okay. and. Yeah, Jonathan always. The other thing is, Jonathan and Nancy were friends, and he always put the disclaimer: "I'm friends with Nancy yeah. <laughs> and her family." Um, seven. Oh, I said seven. Tromac. Six was Spring, which the, is the closed. Korean restaurant in Beaverton. <laughs> I actually like <laughs> on top of G Mart. It was no French restaurant, but that was actually a beautiful restaurant. Very good pasta, and it closed like last year. Uh, five was Taco Maria. Uh, four was Lukshan. Three was Spago. Two uh, was Providence. And Taco Maria was also his restaurant of the year that year. That uh, right? No, Taco year Maria before. was his restaurant of the year for 2018. Oh, okay. And he passed around the time that, you know, they was going to release the guide. Uh, two was Providence. One was Vespertine. So it's very... So not a ton of change from the year before. I'm just looking at that now. Um, right. Shibumi was number two in 2016. Providence was number one. So obviously Providence falls to two for the first time. He liked ever, Providence a lot, right? Well, he he mean, liked Providence a lot. He had Providence multiple years. Almost one. for many years, Providence was ranked I, number one. I don't one. know about number. I don't know about many, but Vespertine, at least four. Vespertine popped into the number one spot, and it was like brand new, right? 2017, yeah, yeah. It so was the, controversial. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's interesting that he did that. It was kind of like a hail mary pass, and I, you know, I, I personally don't do that. I try my, I've probably messed this up once or twice, but I've tried to separate new restaurants out of the restaurant guide. Like the, the restaurants in my restaurant guide, I want them to be a year old, but I can totally see the argument for including new places because as we see in the LA restaurant scene, things are moving very quickly. And I'm sure if you were to break down your top 10 LA restaurants overall, they would include a lot of new places. Yes. They, they, in fact, they do. And um, I hadn't really thought about that. And 
when I my prediction for the top ten, many of them are new restaurants. Well, they 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 probably will follow gold in not worrying about that. Right. Hopefully they don't because I include like half of them are newer restaurants. I <laughs> know oh, maybe not half. No, not new, not half. And no. Spago at number three. I mean, you know, he, they'd been in his top ten several times. Before, oh God, that's, yeah. high, that's right? always it's always that's high for Spago. No. And then um, Bill and Patricia did a, a a review of Spago where they both reviewed it. Kinda. You, you have to read it at all the times. Yeah. They neither. It is stated to say the least. It's, n- it's nowhere in my top. It wouldn't be in my top fifty in L.A. Okay. My my personal. All opinion. right, Gary's L.A. Times top ten prediction. Overall, not just new, and we're, then we're gonna take bets on how many he got right. Yeah, you're gonna say a number, like how many out of ten do you think I got right, and I'll go over under on your prediction. Well, see, I I kind of wonder before just <laughs> slowing things down here, but uh, you know how much love they'll give to because now gold's last list was two years old right. a lot can change so and it has yeah i don't think they have to say all right well then we have to have seven of the ten. Oh god the no yeah god all right god, no. go for it number 10 nightshade from mainland nine kato from Chanya. eight very this is the casualest place i just went to last week that i really loved coney seafood um seven another casual place that i love Porridge and Puffs. I've been three or four times to Porridge and Puffs. Uh, six, Angler to Los Angeles from Joshua Skeens. Five, I had, I had to put in Providence. I got to think, Bill's really good friend, Besha Rodell, used to write for the LA Weekly. She had, she always, she really loved Providence. They, I kind of think. Gold not, and I, Besha do. What? Yeah, yeah cool. they, bo- they both did. I kind of think maybe Bill... I don't know about Patricia, but I think maybe Bill might put Providence in the top ten. So I have it at number five. Four, Dialogue from Dave Barron. Mm. Three, Ennaka. So Ennaka was on Gold's list, but it was all the way down at 14. Right. I wouldn't have it in my top. I would not have it in my top 25. Okay. Uh, Two, I just went here. Hayoto from Brandon Go. God, I love that place. It really is fantastic. Um, and number one, my bet for number one, the Republic. Did you have Vespertine in that top ten? No. So they were number one on Gold's Last Guide, but you don't think they're going to be in the top ten? It's Why a, is that? And it's in my personal top ten. As flawed as it was, it's in my personal top ten. But I'm going again next week. I haven't been since they, that first month they opened. So we'll see. But here's, here's another bet. But do you but do you have some inside knowledge no, for why no. it would fall out of the top ten? No. Uh, here's another bet. Vespertine doesn't make the top fifty. Wow. I don't I don't think I'm wrong about that. I gotta be wrong about that. But I'll I have I'll I'll, I'll I'll predict that Vespertine is not in the top fifty. That's amazing. And it's in it is in my top ten. where is where is it on my top ten? It's at number seven. <laughs> Um, all right, where are we setting the over-under for how many you got right? You pick. You pick. How many do you think I'll get right? And I'm going to predict whether... I'll go over-under on your prediction. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me a number, and I was going to no. go over-under. No, no. How many do you think I got right out of the 10? How many of those will be in the top 10? I think you got four out of the 10. Oh, God. I was hoping you go... If you went five, I would have gone under. Yeah. You think I got four? Yeah. Uh, dude, you know what? I'm going under. 
Yeah, I would go under on that too. Okay, so, all right. Here's what we, here. All right, for the record, we're going to set the over under at 3.5, and you have to take the over. Yeah? No, you, you, you're the one who set, set it at four, and I'm going under. I'm betting right. that I, it's under four. And four is a push. Yeah. Four is a push. No, wait. You're the one who picked four. All right, three. No, no right, four, I'm, no, I'm four is right. Four, four is right for you. You win three. if you get four. Okay, you, that's why I'm setting it at 3.5. Wait, no. I have to take the over? You're, you're taking the over. So if anything, four. Yeah, I think I'm taking the under. I don't think. I think I have less than four. Okay, so then the over-under is at 3.5. So I win if it's four. You win if it's three. There's right. no push. No that, push. If you have four, you win. Four and above. God, I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't think, I don't, I don't know that you got it right. Okay, wait, wait, I'll let you go. What's, how many do you think I got right out of the, out of the top 10 now? You, I'll let you list go them again. Off, list them off one more time. Nightshade, Kato, Kony Seafood, Porridge and Puffs, Angler, Providence, Dialogue, and Naka, Hayato, Republic. Okay, you could have four. All right, I'm happy with my bet. I'm really? sticking to it, yeah. Four and above? Because I think Providence gets in. I think that's a lock. And I don't I, know if that's a lock. That's not a lock to me. And what is it? Hayato or Hayato? Yeah. Hayato? Hayato. Hayato. I think that that's considering a, how strongly it was reviewed by Bill. I, I, I think, think that's, that's a, lock. a lock. I think that's the most. So now I need eight out of the. I need two out of the remaining eight and I win. I think Republic is a lock. Why do you think that's a lock? They weren't in the top ten. I don't care about goals. Did you read what Bill wrote? Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so then I'm I'm he, looking pretty good here. I don't know. I'm looking pretty good. All right, that's it. It's already done. It's all, the bet's made. The die is cast. So which? So you think? What do you think I got right? Um, you thought I got Providence right? Republic. Hayato. Hayato. What's the fourth Republic. one? Enaka. I don't know. I think that might be. They might follow Gold's lead on having it just outside the top 10. And then the question is Nightshade, you know? And the question is how they feel about a place that's so that's still new, that has not had a full year, although it's had one of the best years you could imagine. I well, think, I, 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 Angler LA is also a new restaurant, too. Yeah, but is there a little bit of regional? You know, it's, a, it's kind of an SF chef comes to town. They weren't very nice to Pock Pock when it came to town. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. I think I probably got three out of the ten. I, it's going to be hard getting the casual. I thought about there's two places that I thought might make it. Three places I thought might make it that are more on the casual side, and two of the places I'd never been to before. I didn't. I was thinking about Alta Adams and Joy, but I haven't been to either place. So I didn't know if I wanted to include it in my top ten. And lastly, Marisco Jalisco. Yeah, which. That'd be a but, fun pick. Yeah, I kind of think maybe they're in. Well, and then the question is: Do you do, do they do they soft pedal the change the first year by throwing a place like Vespertine or Spago? I mean, that sounds unlikely. No, Taco not, Maria. You know, did places. Oh, like, Taco Maria has a chance. I, yeah. I I put it out of mine, but sure, it has a chance. Yeah. Plus, it's in Orange County, and like I don't know who else from Orange County. I think the place I'm most curious about is how they deal with Moza because I'm that oh, will they break it up? not a top 10 LA restaurant. So, oh, you, wait, none of them. Well, I was talking about Moza. I mean, oh, okay. I don't know. How, how do you, you're folding in all three and considering it one place or 
No, I think I kind of think they'll break it up. I don't know. I think they'll, I think break, it they'll up. break it up, and I don't think any of them are in the top ten. I I thought maybe Mozart might be. Mm. I it's not in my top ten, but I kind of thought that maybe I don't know. This is gonna be fun. There's just so many ways they can go, and you know I've tried to read all all their reviews just to get an idea of their tone and what they might might like. So that's God the fast casual place. I think Marisco Jalisco might make it, but I not, I can't put it in there. I I can't. The Tacos de Cameron really is that good, but everything else kind of sort of is not so good. Okay, guys. So just a reminder: sometime around Christmas, we are going to be dropping the second part of this podcast, which is our guide to our favorite new dishes of 2019. I'll obviously be focusing on Portland. What about you, Gary? Uh, I do have Portland dishes, and I have some outside of Portland dishes. None of them are ranked, by the way. I can't. I can't. I can yeah, rank. Mine aren't either. So, you know, keep an eye out for that in a couple of weeks. And thanks again for listening. Uh, this has been Walkins Welcome. I'm Michael Russell. I'm Gary Okazaki. Talk to you soon. Okay. <laughs>